Welcome to the Arise Church podcast, where we're awakening the world to the reality of Jesus. Well, thank you to the banding panel. And um, yes, bands, could you imagine what it would be like to sit down with a group of people every week and answer the question, what is it that you desire to keep most secret? (laughs) Because that's what happens in a band. Um, Our bands, Maddie and Jamika and Ashley share, they've been together for four years and they have absolutely been transformative. I don't think that there's... um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's healed marriages, it's produced giftings in, in our, our lives, and the Holy Spirit has used it in large part to birth Arise Church, kind of emanated out of these banding relationships, and, um, and we love bands. So groups of three to five that meet every week or every other week to discuss five, script, five key questions about um, what God is speaking to us, it's kind of a combination of accountability and discernment. And I would encourage you to be a part of a band. It's one of the main things that we do here as a community. And um, we're gonna be in John 15 today. And I'm going to give a, what I would describe as a nugget teaching. So I'm about to trim on the fly, you guys ready? Awesome. Well, we have, uh, what, what we have here in John 15, verses 12 through 17 is the picture of Jesus' last meal with his disciples. And so I'll let you kind of gather your pages and your Bible apps. And if you don't mind, standing if you're able for the reading of the scripture. This is Jesus' words to his disciples from the book of John 15, 12. And Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that they lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I've commanded you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. The word of God. You may be seated. Jessica, do you know how to tip this stand more even? Ah, thank you. Appreciate that. It has been said, or the joke's been made in the past, that the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed was having 12 good friends into his 30s. <laughs> yeah. I think, that, I think that registers with a person or two. My father-in-law, before I asked Maddie to get married, I went to him, as kind of the custom is, and I asked him, do you have any advice for me before I I marry your daughter? I did ask his permission, uh, which felt appropriate, but I was looking for advice. We were in that Mexican restaurant that's sort of that upscale Mexican restaurant that was open for a while. It had the world's largest stingray tank, I think, 
A jellyfish tank. Yeah. So we were under a, a three-story cylinder tank full of jellyfish. And I asked them, do you have any advice for marrying your daughter? I'm, you know, knifing into my enchilada. And I thought he was going to say, you know, look out for her, you know, after midnight, she gets grumpy. Or something like, think about flowers and chocolate on her birthday. She really appreciates that. But what he hit me with was, I think, deeper and more profound than the advice that I was looking for. My father-in-law looked at me and he said, an advice that I would give to anyone who's about to be married is this. Don't lose your friends in your marriage. Continue investing in your male friendships. You don't want to wake up one day, a few years down the road, to realize that you have problems that your wife cannot help you fix. And you don't want to wake up that day alone and without friends. Continue investing in your male friendships. And it's one of the best pieces of advice that I think I've had in my lifetime. And I'm very thankful for it. And Jesus, in this passage, is surrounded by a group of people who have been following him day after day for three years, eaten many, many meals with them. But this is the last meal that he will eat before he goes to the cross. And in this passage, if you can imagine Jesus with these disciples looking at them, he says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. I call you friends. And this is my commandment for you, is that you love one another as I love you. For no greater love has a person than this, that they would lay down their life for another. Jesus desires for his church to be a community of friends who self-sacrifice for the benefit of one another. Does that make sense? Yeah, Jesus looking at his disciples is calling them into friendship as he has modeled it, which is the laying down of our lives for one another. So if we're going to be the house church that we're called to be, whatever house church you find yourself in, then we will step into spiritual friendship as Jesus has modeled it. And that is laying down our lives for one another. And so tonight I'm going to give this nugget teaching on spiritual friendship. And there are about a thousand different topics and ways that this could go. This passage could be preached in about a thousand directions. But I'm going to narrow it down to the table because we're in the table series. And every time you come to a Rise House Church, you're going to gather around the table. You're going to show up at someone's home. They'll let you in. They'll bring you into the, to the kitchen. You'll make your meal. You'll sit down. You'll eat. You'll discuss scripture. You'll pray together. You'll sing. It's life around the table. The table is, is central to us, and it's central to the ministry of Jesus. Three times in the book of Luke, Jesus says that the Son of Man, dot, dot, dot. First time, he says the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Second time, he says the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. And the third time, he said the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Jesus' spirituality is a table spirituality. And so we're called to table friendships. And what happens around the table? Eating, obviously, but also conversation. <laughs> pretty, pretty simple, huh? Sharing lives, sharing stories, um, revealing your inner life to other people. That's what Jesus would have done with his disciples for those three years as they were eating together. David Benner says that during the meals that Jesus shared with his disciples, Jesus likely would have 
done things like discussed the important things in his disciples' lives. He would have shared their painful experiences, shared special insights with them that were not disclosed to people outside of their friend group. He would have offered them emotional support. He answered their tough questions, related to them in ways around the table that they would have felt both loved and also challenged to grow. This was Jesus' table practices with the people that he would one day call friends. And if we want to move from a fast food relationship culture, where we think about our relationships being hosted on our phones, mediated through screens, mostly through digital connectivity, rings, pings, notifications, DMs, text messages, easily ignored, easily missed, most of the time used for our entertainment, the relationships that are offered to us normally in everyday life are relationships that we can consume as much as we want of them and still be relationally malnourished. It's like gorging ourselves on fast food or junk food where God is calling us to have meat and potato relationships, as Jesus did, at the table, in one another's presence. I believe that the table for Jesus was a way to gather people who otherwise wouldn't be with him, remove distraction so that they shared each other's presence. There was an exchange of presence that allowed for relationship to build, ultimately for people to encounter his love. What Jesus was after at the table was an exchange of presence leading to the encounter of love where life can be transformed from the inside out. I think this is the power of doing friendship around the table. But the challenge also is that we move into revealing our stories to one another. Does that feel challenging to you? The challenge of, of opening up your life and heart, not just your table for another person? Jesus modeled this, but it is a challenge for us. The challenge is to move in a world of Zoom and FaceTime to actually being in each other's presence, to move in a tech-distracted world to actually be attentive to one another, and to move in a non-committal society in covenant together. Maddie, on Thursday, she asked me, um, hey, what should we eat? And I said, I don't know. What, what do you want to eat on Saturday? I cook. She's at weddings. And she said, I want something that takes 10 to 12 hours in the smoker. <laughs> we, have this, we have this smoker, and it produces the best-tasting food that we have, um, that, that we can get at home. And, and so I, I pulled out a pork butt and threw it in Saturday morning, and it smoked for like 10 to 12 hours. I think it was 11 and a half hours, long enough that we were hungry at night waiting for it to finish. But once it finished, it was delicious. It had been heated throughout the day cooking slowly. It had soaked up all of the flavor of the wood and the smoke. And by the time it came out, it was mouth-watering. And so right before I came over, I had a big plate of pork nachos um, because it was just the most delicious thing in our fridge. And I think those are the types of friendships that God's calling us into, that, that, that we have to move through this fear barrier of revealing our stories if we're going to enter into meat and potato, long-term, committed, 
in each other's presence with the potential for a, a reception and a giving of love with one another. Um, we have to move into kind of like a meat and potato, slow cook relationship. And step one is just having people that we feel comfortable sharing our stories with. So there are three fears that I think we have when thinking about revealing our stories or sharing our stories around the table. Uh, fear number one is the fear of rejection. A lot of times we're afraid that if we actually open up and share our lives with other people, that it will lead to a moment of rejection where they decide that we're either not spiritual enough or we aren't like them enough, and so they don't want to do a relationship with us. A second fear that we would have in sharing our stories is past pain that we've experienced. It's like, well, you know, I've opened this up, I've opened myself up before, and I've been rejected. I don't want to do that again. But I think, actually, this third fear is probably the primary one that we all carry, whether we're able to name it or not, when thinking about having or developing relationships around the table where we share our stories. And it's the fear that sharing our stories will actually give others the chance to help shape our future. It's the fear that sharing our stories will actually give others the chance to help shape our future. Alexander Nehamas says that the difficulty in having genuine friendships is that we surrender our future selves to that relationship. Meaning if I let you into my inner life, if I actually reveal what's under the surface, if I move past sort of this pseudo uh, image that I've projected online to invite you into my home and to share with you who I really am, that in a sense gives you the ability to speak into my life, to help shape my thoughts, and to inform my future. Sometimes I can feel like limiting our choices. When we want to keep ourselves open to a world of possibilities, it's challenging to think about inviting not just acquaintances, not just online connections, but real friends into our hearts and into our souls to speak into our lives that actually shape our future. Many of us, actually, we don't have spiritual friends in the way Jesus intended because it would require us to lay down our right to dictate our future all on our own. And that can be a kind of scary thought. But the good news is, if you have people that are headed in the same direction as you, then you actually are aiding your self-growth by allowing them in. If the people who you're be you belong with the closest are going on the same in the same path as you, then it actually works as a growth catalyst to invite them in and allow them to influence your thoughts. The Moravians, they originated the word band and the concept of it. Uh, the Moravians were a group of refugees in the 1700, 1700s. They were religious refugees that ended up on a farm in Herrenhut, Germany, rural Germany. And they had come from different countries, they spoke different languages, and they had to figure out how to make life work now that they had religious liberty among a group of people who were not like them, other groups. They integrated themselves and formed community despite different nationalities, despite different languages, by covenanting around the person of Jesus. They decided that their journey into Christ-likeness was going to be what 
solidified their community and allowed them to journey together. They placed all these secondary, all these other identities as secondary to becoming more and more like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18 says, Now where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, were transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, when comes, when it com- which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And the Moravians took this verse, and they said, we want our communities to be centered around this journey into transformation into Christ-likeness. And so we're going to covenant around it, and we're going to move from glory to glory together, being transformed into the person of Jesus. And when we find people who want to share this primary identity with us, all of a sudden disclosing our stories and inviting them in doesn't deter us from living the future that we want to live, but it actually is a catalyst for growth into the future that God's calling us into. Robert Mulholland Jr. says that our relationships with others are not only the testing grounds of our spiritual life, but also the places where our growth towards wholeness in Christ happens. Yeah, I think this nugget teaching and this banding emphasis that we're spending so much time focusing on is really a call for disenfranchised people. The invitation into community and into the image of God, a group of people who are helping you go from glory to glory with God until you become like Christ, it's for those of us who don't feel apart yet. It's for those of us who who don't feel good enough. It's for those of us who have fallen off the wagon. For those of us who are hindered by our isolation. In talking with a lot of young adults around the country, I often hear these three things. I'm alone, I'm anxious, and I'm addicted. I'm alone, I'm anxious, and I'm addicted. And I wonder how many of us experience isolation leading to an emotional breakdown and we turn to addictive substances to numb the pain of the meaninglessness, the purposelessness, the lostness that we feel in our lives. If that's you tonight, I believe that that banding is for you. I believe that God's calling you into an adventure of Christ-likeness. And that's exactly what banding does. It unlocks an adventure with other people into the image of God. It takes us out of the stale, rote, mundane patterns of our everyday lives, and it gives us fresh challenge to actually change and transform, to, to live in new habits, to begin mimicking the person of Jesus in new ways. The things that have been kept hidden inside of us, we have the chance to share those things so that they're broken off. In our darkness, we allow light to come in and for healing to take place. And to instead of going through the motion of attending Christian events 
in projecting a Christian image, we might actually move into living a Christian lifestyle in freedom, in holiness, in encounter with the Spirit. That's the power of spiritual friendship. That's the power of table relationships. I really nerded out on the Lord of the Rings um, series this last month as it's come out on Amazon Prime. Um, can I get a woot from anyone who's watching that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so just, just a few of us. Yeah, I love those original stories from, from Tolkien. And so I'm sorry for those of you who just are um, maybe socially normal and aren't going to track with this. <laughs> but um, Frodo, Sam, Pippin, and Mary, the four hobbits that take the ring into Mordor and save Middle-earth, they had to switch identities together as a group in order to go on that journey. At a point, they went from being a friend group of hobbits to a friend group of ring bearers. If they were actually going to take hold of the destiny before them and move with purpose into fate and into victory, then they had to make this shift as a friend group. Because hobbits, you know, they were cozy, countryside, kind of key to themselves people, but what Middle-earth demanded from Frodo and its friends were adventurers, bravely taking on a new world, new enemies, See if I can find this. Hobbits stick with what's familiar with them, but ring bearers bravely go into the unknown. Hobbits are cozy, but ring bearers, they're wild. Hobbits eat seven meals a day, but ring bearers eat only when there's food. Hobbits look to the interests of their own kind, staying in the cozy shire, whether the world is going to burn around them or not, but ring bearers, ring bearers charge the forces of Middle Earth. They take the ring into the darkest of places because their destiny is to save the world. If they stayed hobbits together, they would never have seized the destiny before them. I'm wondering if there are friend groups here tonight where that sounds maybe a little too familiar where the call into accountability and discernment, intentionally attempting to practice the way of Jesus in living his teachings and modeling your life after his is an invitation for new identity of your community. Maybe there, there are groups of three of you or five of you who are in here tonight who are like, you know, we're just kind of doing life as normal. If you were to take the temperature of our relationships, if you were to calculate the temperature of, of our relationships compared to our next-door neighbors who aren't Christian, you wouldn't notice that much of a difference. Maybe God's calling you into a new adventure and a new day, into a new identity as a community, a new primary identity as Christ followers. Maybe God's inviting you into banded relationships. D.L. Muti. He is this evangelist, I think, of the 19th century. He has this story from his life that is, is somewhat famous, where he went um, and spoke, and then after his speaking engagement, had dinner at a fire with a friend. He tried to convince him, his friend did, that you didn't have to be 
in church to be a Christian. And Moody, sitting there in front of the fire, argued for a little bit, and then it just went silent. After a while, he took the tongs, and he picked one coal out of the fire, brought it over, and dropped it on the stone in front of the, the fire. And after a few seconds, it went out. No more words were exchanged, but the point was well spoken. D.L. would later reflect that we can no more be formed into the image of Christ outside of corporate spirituality than a coal can continue to burn outside of a fire. Hmm. What is the temperature of your life with God tonight? Do you come in tonight feeling cold? Maybe feeling outside of the purposes that you know that God has for you? Have you yourself begun to isolate from Christian community or from active obedience? In Awakening, we talk about encounter, encountering the presence of God, the living God. We talk about depending on the Spirit, and, and you, would have, you will have heard that here in the worship tonight, just a constant invitation into intimate relationship not casual, not from a distance, but open-handed, surrender, running to the feet of Jesus kind of relationship. We also value family-like community because we know that a coal that experiences the fire of the Holy Spirit, if placed on the side of the fire, will go out. What is the temperature of your heart tonight? Is God calling you into more? Is God calling you into adventure? Is God calling you into banding? Maybe God is simply inviting you to begin developing table relationships, people who you invite into your home for the simple task, for the simple exercise of sharing your story with them. Jesus, after many meals over the course of years with his disciples, he said, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. And then he said, as I have loved you, now love one another. This is the temperature of his love. For us, the first barrier to stepping into true spiritual friendship is to face the fear of sharing our stories, opening up our tables, and opening up our hearts. It's the invitation with banding, and that's the invitation with house church. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, we thank you for your word. And God, tonight we do boldly come to you and we ask God that we would know you as a friend. God, and we want to grab hold of this truth as you lay in your, your scripture that those who obey my commandments, they're the ones who abide. They're the ones who grow great fruit. God, we want to be a great fruit people. But Jesus, we ask you, because we know that we cannot do it on our own, make it real in our hearts. Holy Spirit, open up our spirits to receive the love of Jesus in a fresh way. 
God, we ask that you would remove barriers, that you would begin to warm the cold coals that are sitting at the fireplaces inside of us. God, we want to know you as the real and the living God. Not from a distance. Not in rote religion. Not in a religion that fills our minds, but leaves our hearts and our hands empty. Encounter us today, Jesus. Move us with your love. And God, will you even now bring to picture people that we, we are called to invite to our table to begin to share the deeper things of life with. Yeah. Will you break through the barriers that block us from others so that we can have the kind of soil together that our roots in you can grow deep down, that we're embedded and cemented in your nourishment, that we have accountability and discernment to understand what it is that you're calling us to do, the ways that you're asking us to live and to move faithfully into that. Jesus, we are tired. We are tired of living stale Christianity. God, we're tired of projecting images We're tired of managing Christian perfection. God, we are desperate for real life change. Will you bring to mind people that we can band with, that we can invite into our home? Holy Spirit, will you warm and stoke the awakening fires of our hearts again? In Jesus' name. Oh, 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 oh,